It is time that we do something new. Joe Ovius and Joe Gillian. By doing something new, I mean doing something old, but we're bringing it back so it's basically new. Here we go. Let's podcast alongside Joe Gillio. I'm Joe Ovius. We sound a little bit different. We look a little bit different today, Joe. We're actually in person for once. What a concept. Look at us back <laughs> together again. Who would have thought? Look at us, right? Look at us. And we're at, <laughs> we are at Raleigh Country Club today, uh, the UNC Health Championship part of the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, so thanks to them for the hospitality. We're here in the Ross Pavilion on the 18th Green. Of course, you can't see if you're watching on YouTube, you cannot see the 18th green. We had to shift the cameras because uh, the backlighting made us look terrible. So I'm using the natural cloudy skies okay. to make us look just gorgeous. I was, was going to say, blame the black, the backlighting. That's the problem. Not yeah, us. yeah, yeah. It's not us. It oh, has okay. nothing to do with our faces. All right. Has nothing to do with that. <laughs> has nothing to do with a couple of dudes in their 40s with short to medium beards, uh, putting on a little dad bod weight. Has nothing to do with that. Has everything to do with the fact that. The camera without proper lighting is going to look a little weird. Always blame the equipment. Yes, right. <laughs> Just like my golf game. It's not me. It's the ball. It's the driver. It's the putter. I can't decide what I want more, though. Yeah. Um, we're out here. This is the 18th hole. I want this guy standing right before a bunker trying to find all of my tee shots. Mm -hmm. Right? I need one of those. And we're here in this pavilion, which is, provides a backdrop. I would be hitting this thing all of the time. I'd be playing at the bank. Yeah. Like, if I was on the tour... You know, you're supposed to get it as close to the pin as possible. No, I would just be just trying to whack the thing off of the backstop and be like, no, you play it off the bounce. It's like Michael Jordan tossing pennies rules here. So we'll you get the bounce. We'll chat with the tournament director here at uh, UNC Health Championship at the Raleigh Country Club a little bit later on. We're also going to check in with Tom Dundon, a conversation we had with the Carolina Hurricanes owner. We recorded that yesterday after we recorded our Tuesday show. Uh, it was a very... Very extensive. It was conversation. He, with he, Tom Dundon. he was in full Brad Pitt Moneyball mode too. He, he really was. Full. He really was. So we'll uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But the news of the last twenty four hours uh, that impacts college basketball is Elliot Cadeau. Uh, he's going to reclassify and join UNC's roster this upcoming season. Now, if he is as gifted as if, if he's as gifted as a passer as people have pointed him out to be, and I'll, I'm going to defer to Sherelle McMillan, yeah, uh, my friend Sherelle inside Carolina, whose job it is to go to these things, watch these guys, see their development. Cadeau apparently has been off the charts on these circuits, the IYBL the, being the, uh, the most recent one, to the point where it's clear he's ready for that next level. Yeah. He's, he's not really gaining anything by playing at the level he's in right now. So they're going to take the risk. UNC is going to take the risk, have them reclassify for this upcoming season. And while it is a gamble, I really do think it's a gamble that's going to yeah. pay off for UNC. There's a lot of guys that if this works out, if they can get through the chemistry in November, yeah. December, and get things ready for conference play in January, if it works out, the two happiest people are going to be R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott, man. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how I see this. All right, so I, I'm really trying not to be well actually guy to you right now because we've be. had many examples of people reclassifying in, in the triangle, we right? Have, yes. So you have the classic uh, Andre Dawkins, mm -hmm. right? The That Duke where he um, was three years in high school and it was, oh, you're coming in early, yeah. right? Like you're yeah. truly coming in early. 
Cano is an 18 year old from Sweden has been playing in the, in the greater tri-state area of New York and New Jersey recently. So he's fully 18 years old. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's not that part of it, like maturity wise, being 17, being young, that part of it's not much of a risk to your point. It's more of you're now adding a new piece to this mix after the portal is closed and you have to like the moves that Carolina made in the portal. And Harrison Ingram, in my opinion, was the best piece of that, that that three, four kind of defender, a guy who can, um, facilitate, mm -hmm. but you look at the moves that they made now, and by adding a true point, which is what Cadeau is, this makes your shooters, Cormac Ryan and Paxson Wojcik, better. Yeah. This makes the additions of Ingram and Withers as kind of wings who can defend the three and the four better. And to your point, this makes RJ Davis, who now doesn't have to truly initiate all of the offense, better. And any true point is going to make your post. Armando Baycott better as well. Okay, so let's start with R.J. Davis first because I was reading Brendan Marks last night trying to get a sense of, you know, what their roster is looking like on, on The Athletic. Shout out to Brendan. And, you know, there's a lot, understandably, there's a lot of questions about chemistry, uh, whether or not R.J. Davis is going to be happy with the fact that he's not going to have the ball in his hands, that he's, uh, you know, he's essentially been alternating with Caleb Love in terms of being a primary ball handler. Totally get that. But where did we see Carolina truly fly last year? when R.J. Davis was able to go get buckets, okay, when Armando Baycott was a – I mean, how many times do we hear Hubert Davis talk about how Armando Baycott needed to be a focal point of the offense? Now, here's where things get interesting. We've heard Hubert Davis talk about modernizing the Tar Heels. Yeah. Okay. However, there's a little bit of a throwback I was element. Say, this feels old school to this, get a, a pass first, true point. Because when you think of Carolina, you, I mean, yes, you think of Dean Smith, you think of Roy Williams. But truly, you think of the one. You think of the point guard yes. and the guy that makes that offense go. And they're making comparisons and, to Kendall Marshall, which sure. these are good comparisons to make. And if you're Armando Baycott and you're going to be running this break, guess who's going to be able to move? This, that's, that's the part that I think everybody should be happy about. But again, there are risks when you reclassify and putting a guy in this element now. But at this point, if you're UNC, I feel like there's a sense of urgency at UNC after the way last year went to really hit that reset button like we talked about. That reset button, my argument with that reset button was maybe it's time for not just Caleb Love, right. but for Armando Baycott to move on and R.J. Davis to move on. Let's see what Hubert Davis can do with his group. While he recruited those guys, remember, is Roy's team that he ultimately inherited. So let's see what looks like what it looks like when it's his guys, once he's identified. And I feel like maybe he does believe in Baycott. Maybe he does believe in Davis, and Cadeau is the key that can unlock what he really wants to do. Yeah, I was going to say, this just makes all of the other portal moves better. Yes. Like, uh, individually, look, you look at it and you go, okay, Cormac Ryan was at Stanford. He was at Notre Dame. He, mm -hmm. He's a perfectly functional ACC player, but he's not going to come in here and, and kick ass and take all kinds of names, right? Paxson Wojcik, you know, is, is the cute story. He's on the floor. His I dad know, was the I assistant know. coach. Obviously shot the ball at a high level at the Ivy League. Is that going to translate? Is he going to come in here and take 20 shots a game? Of course not but he's a shooter mm -hmm. and he's going to help. And there's going to be games where you need those two players in particular. Ingram again is someone we think of like these classic Carolina molds. I don't think he's Pinson. I don't think, you know, he's one of those types of players, but I think he has a skill set that's really going to help them. You mentioned Davis and Baycott. So much of last year stagnated and Baycott at his strength is a garbage man. That's mm -hmm. a strength. Yeah, you've always said that. When you yes. try to bog everything down with him and score everything in the half-court set, it makes it really difficult. 
that's hard to do for anyone, let alone one player who's slightly limited in his offensive skill set. But when you're in a situation where he's rebounding, when you're in a situation where he's in the open floor, mm-hmm. running the floor, which quite frankly, we did not see Carolina run all that much. Last no, we year, did. Right. We did. So I think this makes their best players better. And then I think it helps their complementary players who they brought in, who people were rightfully excited about. Just This just adds a little bit of that seasoning, which I think is going to be different for Carolina, yet somehow very familiar in the way that they're going to play. There's nowhere to go but up when it comes to how they moved the ball last year. They were near the bottom, if not at the bottom, in terms of assist rate. They, which is unheard of for Carolina. It's yes, I think as as Brendan pointed out in his athletic piece, you got to go back to the Matt Doherty years, and nobody ever wants to go back to the Matt Doherty years when it comes to particular statistics. Although the one thing Matt Doherty never did, he never lost to Clemson at home, so he's always going to have that. Uh, but you got nowhere to go but up, and that's why at the end of this conversation, we can bring up the risk. You can bring up the reclassification. Sometimes there's success stories. Sometimes there's not. In this particular case, I feel like this is worth the risk. And again, I get back to that sense of urgency. I, While you and I both agree that any conversation about Hubert Davis and his future is silly because you have to have some sort of growth period for a guy who's never been a head coach at one of, if not the top job in college basketball, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. But I go back to that conversation we had with A.D. Bubba Cunningham when Hubert Davis was hired, and I asked him directly, do you account for a learning curve? And Bubba said, no. no. <laughs> and you know who else does not account for that, that learning curve? Big money boosters who want to make sure that the decision that Roy Williams made in his successor is going to pay off better than Mike Krzyzewski's decision for a successor and John Shire. That's always at play. So given the way the year went for John Shire last year, Given the way that it's been that they've been recruiting and however everywhere else is going, there I do get a sense of urgency for this Tar Heels group, and Cadeau really can pay off for them, and I think it's the right move to do. The only thing I would say about Cadeau at six two, I know a lot of people have talked about Kendall Marshall, and even my sources at Carolina, like yeah, he's he's a passer yeah. like Kendall Marshall. Thing to remember about Kendall was he was 6'5", had a good size. Yeah, defensively, things might be a little interesting. Kudo's 6'2". He's a yeah. little bit smaller. That doesn't mean he doesn't have the vision. You mentioned the EYBL league. There is a correlation between what your stats are in that league, which is the highest level on the Nike amateur circuit, amateur quotes, um, and to what you're going to do as a college basketball player. Maybe not as a freshman, yeah. but the guys who shoot the three well in that league shoot the three well in college ball. Kudo uh, averaging more than 10 assists per game. In the EYBL. That is bonkers. Housekeeping. A little bit of housekeeping. We're on Instagram now, Joe. I saw that. Shout out uh, to our social media director for finally getting us. We have a social media director. Our social media chief executive. She uh, she, she she got us going on places like Instagram, TikTok, and, and some other spots as well. Uh, but more importantly, we're on Instagram. Uh, so go ahead and he- check out OG Triangle Media at OG Triangle Media on Instagram. We're going to be playing around with reels and you know some behind-the-scenes stuff as the sun starts to come out here at... Uh, the UNC Hospital Open, UNC Health Open at uh, Raleigh Country Club. Um, so yeah, go check that out uh, at OG Triangle Media. We're on Reddit as well. If you look up the subreddit, uh, Friends of the OG R slash or yeah R slash Friends of the OG, 
you'll be able to find us there. And we're, we're trying to get different little communities going uh, that's not so dependent on Twitter because I know not everybody's on Twitter. Not everybody's as extremely online as I am when it comes to Twitter. So by all means, uh, go, <laughs> go check that out. Real quick question. How badly do you want to get out there right now? Uh, maybe not on this hole because 18 is very difficult. Yeah. But I would love to go over to 17 and play the par three. That's for sure. Is that Shane? That's Shane Willis out there. That is Shane Willis. That is Shane Willis. How about that on the 18th? Look at him repping. As the pro. Yeah, I was going to say, I see a a Canes polo. I'm like, "Uh, is that Shane? I don't know. It might be Shane. Anyway, uh, you know what? I asked you this question before when we knew we were coming out here. Where do you think I could set up with like a Smokey Joe, a Weber Smokey Joe, hit the butcher's market, Mm. get some some steak tips, and come out here and grill? Would they allow that? I think so. I think we want to get over on the 15th, (laughs) between the 15th uh, tee box there. There's a view of all of the different holes out here. And it's going to, you have a great options, just as you have options at the butcher's market. Check them out. It's thebutchersmarkets.com. They got six locations Raleigh, Cary, Wake Forest, Holly Springs, and of course, Wilmington, where we are huge. All of your grilling needs. They also have sandwiches, as our, our, our loyal listeners have figured out. Just as I did, the mm-hmm. steak and cheese is completely and totally legit the best there is in the triangle. So go check them out at the butcher's market nearest you. Also, shout out to Oak City Sports Cards. Uh, we got a we got a video of Gilio trying to find a Victor Wembanyama signed card. Uh, he, he came up empty, uh, but we, we do have a video in the OG overtime playlist on YouTube that you can check out uh, where I start getting fascinated by the fact that garbage pail kids still exist. I'm very excited. It, about that. it wasn't just not the French Mamba. Like there's an Armando Baycott in that set. There's Brennan Armstrong in that set. Yeah, you're like, looking for the Brennan Armstrong. Like, man, there's, there's like state guys, Carolina guys, because, you know. Weston's going to buy it back for me. I know. If it's a local guy, we I did know. get a Jeremy Roach card. I so know. maybe we'll work something out with Duke uh, to get Jeremy to sign that. But you want to buy your cards, sell your cards, get them graded. It's important to get your cards graded in order to get the maximum value for you. Weston can do that. It's going to give you a fair deal. It's going to give you an honest price. Go check them out at, in downtown Raleigh or oakcitycards.com. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline is the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, Tom Dundon. Tom, we appreciate the time. Last time we talked to you, we had, you know, radio equipment. The stadium series was going on. You you now join us on our podcast adventures. I'm good to be glad to be here. I'm glad you guys uh, figured out a medium. (laughs) Is that the right word? Medium? Yeah, medium. Yeah, platform. We're just we're we're figuring it out as we go along, man. I kind of feel the the same way with you as an owner of a professional sports franchise. I, I kind of. I'm curious the, the the progression of taking over the team, building a team, understanding this this window that you have, and just the the way this series played out. I'm not saying that you didn't feel the the previous exits any more or less, but I felt like this one hit a little bit different because of the close nature of everything and how you got to this point. Yeah, I mean it's hard to remember, right? It always feels it always feels shitty to lose. Um, like I get, I feel terrible on a regular season game. So, but this was, I agree with you. I think it was worse, but I don't know if it's just because it was more recent and yeah, mostly probably because, you know, over the years as we've gotten better, your expectations start to change and our expectations are probably ahead of our results right now, where I think it was the opposite of that in the beginning. Hurricanes owner, Tom Dundon joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. 
And you, you look at the way that the series unfolded, Tom, and, and I thought the big question going into it was in goal, and your goalie was outstanding. And you look at the other side, he was pretty good. And then you look at some of the goals that were scored by the other team. It's almost like, I'm not trying to give you any excuses. And I, you know, you don't want any, but uh, looking back at it, and I know Rod said it, like four games all decided by a goal. It just didn't feel like, certainly didn't feel like a sweep. Uh, it, it certainly looked a whole lot closer than than four games and none too. Yeah, I mean, look, that's the that's the hard part about that's the thing I struggle with with hockey, and you know, it's kind of like when I talked to you guys a month or two ago. The uh, the odds don't move very much, right? Once you're in the spot we're in, your outcome is so based on luck, right? Hitting a bunch of posts when you get a call, and I don't think, you know, if if you if you go back and look at where the shots all came from and how often they happen, which is the only way to really judge hockey mm-hmm. over time, I think you'd be pretty happy if you knew if you just saw those four games play out um, with with those opportunities, then you would take that and the the I the probability that we would lose all four of those games given how we played and where the opportunities for both teams came from is it's it's against all odds and that's i think the most frustrating thing is you can go back and say how do we get better and there's always places to get a little better but there's not as many as you would hope when you lose four games in a row you would hope that we could go identify a problem and the problem is just you only play four games and sometimes you hit the post when the goal's wide open and sometimes they get one chance and win. And, and, and that's going to happen. It's why we, we're trying to make sure we're good every year. It's why we don't want to put like what happened to Boston. I think they have to feel as bad or worse because they had this super team that, that I was really impressed with what they built. And, um, but some of the decisions they made are, for this year and we try not to do that right we're trying to give ourselves a great chance every year and i think this is why it's mm-hmm. because you can't control some of the things that actually affect the outcome a lot more than the decisions we make any one decision doesn't help your team that much 20 of them help a lot if that makes sense tom dundon owner of the carolina hurricanes joining us here on ovias and Julio in the heaster automotive group hotline so that gets me to i guess we can kind of look back and then look forward as you uh, try to address some needs this offseason or look at contracts and, and go in different directions when we talked to you at the stadium series i think Julio and i were both kind of pushing on hey go go make a move right you had 10 million dollars in cap space uh you looked how the rest of the east was playing out you see some of the moves in new york you mentioned boston etc and do you feel justified? You told us like, no, we don't want to mortgage the future. We like our group. This is a window that we want to keep going. Do you feel somewhat justified with the way things played out? Not in how, just how you got to the Eastern conference finals, but how the rest of the playoffs sorted out as well. Not necessarily. I mean, look, we try to make some moves. We, we, we've, there's been a number of really good players move teams the last couple of years. And I, I'm aware of what we did and why we didn't end up with some of those players. And so I don't have any regrets on any of the deals. I can tell you that like where we got to and the decisions other teams made, what, what people don't realize, I think when you're not in it every day is 
you could have an asset that's worth more than someone else's asset in our mind. But if the need or the decision that someone else is making is based on short term or long term or position need or, you know, there's all these other variables. Um, but we don't go after assets worth a dollar and offer 80 cents. If an asset's worth a dollar, we're going to offer the dollar. And if it's mm -hmm. worth more than a dollar, we'll pay more. And so, yeah, I don't have any regrets about any of the decisions we made because we don't control both sides of the transaction. And I, right. I think we've always been, we've always felt like if we didn't get a deal that we really wanted, it was because our fit was wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, look, you throw Aho or Svetsnikov or Slavin out there. We're not doing that. But if you take out <laughs> right. some of those things, yeah, we're, we're pretty aggressive and we just didn't, didn't do certain things. But and candidly, if you look at what happened, I'm not sure. We played a couple of those games where they were in a very high percentile of games we played in the last five years and mm -hmm. games that you should win 70, 80, 90% of the time. And we didn't. And, you know, what are you going to do about that? Right. You can't, you can't think one player was going to make you play better than a game that was better than all the games you've been playing. Right. That's sure. It's, it's, it's easy to have a different judgment after you have more information. Right. But I try to look at where we were when we made the decisions. Okay. So about that, you, you've talked, you've mentioned probability, a bunch, uh, chances, uh, the, the, the chaos, the organized chaos that the playoffs can be. So I kind of get the sense that some of the offseason discussion that we've had, I know Luke DeCock and I and Gilio just talked about this on the previous show about offseason needs being maybe not something that's analytically something you're looking for, but more feel, something more sandpapery, more bunch of jerks, somebody that's willing to take a little extra step beyond the whistle that we see happens to the cane, something to respond. How do you kind of view those discussions with when you talk to Rod Brindamore, when you talk to Don Waddell about needs in that regard? Regard. Look, you know, the first thing we did when I when I got here is we traded for that Michael Furland, who was probably one of the two toughest guys in the league and he could play. Mm -hmm. um, no one's going to convince me to make our team worse. You know, that's I'm not going to do it. Um, but if we can get tougher and better, we clearly want to do that. Right. Like no. I mean, we all feel the same, right? No one wants to be bullied. We all feel the same when you look at something and you say, you know, why did that happen? You know, but I look back on Svetch's hit on Lindholm last year and, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they weren't tough, right? It was just he was in a vulnerable position. So I, I probably don't look at any one or two situations and think someone's going to come in here and save the world and mm -hmm. make us all tougher. I think we all have to do it. And, you know, I, I, I would love to have a, any player be tougher who also is good. And so I don't think we really have a disagreement on that organization. We'd all like to be tougher. Um, I don't know that it matters as much as everybody else does. I mean, the truth is I thought there are a number of times where probably some of the toughness, in that series went uncalled that could have had a big impact. And if that stuff gets called now, we're sitting here talking about lack of discipline and some of those different things. And so I'd like to see the NHL continue to refine how they, how they um, call things. And I think that's a better strategy than just 
you know, vigilante justice. I don't think right. that's really what I want. I don't, I feel like you don't like it when I agree with you, but I'm going to have to do it anyway. Because <laughs> when we talked to you during the stadium series, I thought, all right, I, I, you, it's, you seemed eager to kind of push this team in a direction, not only because of what you had, but because again, I, I think you and I were on the same page in terms of what was in the bracket that it was open up, that this was a chance to win this thing. This was a chance to put your name on the cup. I, I, I don't think you didn't understand that. Right. But I think where you were right, and it's kind of hard pill to swallow, and that is Florida made their moves in the offseason, which is what you're talking about right now, like the fit and being able to get a guy and add a guy at what price at the deadline. Like it's, it's, it's a really hard tightrope to walk. So I wonder if there is any consolation in the fact that Florida's offseason move kind of proves how you're going about some of these decisions to, to build your hockey team and, and put them in the right position to win this thing. Yeah, I mean, look, they probably Boston probably should have won that first series, you know, and if they do, then we're having a very different conversation. Right. But same thing happened is um, Florida's a really good team. They've been on the best teams for a long time, but they probably have had some things go their way. And there's never been a team. Very rarely does the very best team win. Right. Like it happens every X years. I don't know how often, but. Not it doesn't happen that often that the actual best team wins. And I always look at it like if you play a thousand games, who would win? And that team doesn't if that team doesn't win the cup, do you want to copy the team that would have won the most games out of a thousand or the team that won a tournament that's a little more random? It's a really tough thing to to do. And and when the tough team wins, you want to get tougher. And when the power play team wins, you want a better power play. And when the team that wins the trade deadline wins you say I should have done more and so I don't know that we were that we're right or wrong I just know that the cost to rent a player usually I think the reason the deadline's interesting is if you're not sure you're a playoff team then once you know you're getting in and you're a fringe team you can get a little bit you can get better with a team like ours that's 110 100 whatever point team it's really hard to get better, right? The marginal improvement. If you think about how many 125 point teams have you seen in the NHL? So if we're throwing a 112 point team out there every year, the incremental value of another good player is much smaller for us than the 94 point team who is 12 points behind us. I mean, Connor McDavid's probably worth five points, six <laughs> points, right? So now I got to say go so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it feels like he's worth more than that. Right. Yeah. But, if a average or bad teams getting 80, 85 points there, first of all, there's no bad teams, right? They're all in the NHL, but relative to the league, if an 85 point teams not making the playoffs and 105 point teams really, really good, you got to figure out how to move it. And so I, I want to make sure that, that we win, that we are high, high probability to make the playoffs every year, because then you get into this, tell me, Tell me who gets the call, who gets the power play, who gets the the timely goal, who gets, you know, when they talk about hot goalies, it frustrates me because when you hit a bunch of posts, then it becomes same thing with our goalies. Our goalies could be good or bad by three inches, right? So mm -hmm. if you lose and the goalie gives up two extra goals, he might not have done anything wrong. And so I just, it's really hard to make decisions off of things that are random. I feel like with all this talk of probability, I want you and Julio 
to play poker. I want to see how that would play out. Julia, when's the last time? Well, I was going to say, you're probably listening to Tom talk about all these probabilities and going, I'm never going to that sports book in the arena. There's no way. The house is is absolutely always going to win based on this conversation. So this is is the problem, though, because I can't, I don't gamble because I don't like the idea that the odds aren't in my favor. I can't function Uh, like that. Like it makes me unhappy. That makes sense. I mean, you you impart that. Well, that's gambling. I don't, I don't buy. I don't trade stocks either because I really. Oh, I know. No, hell no. Really? No, I don't have an advantage. What you got a money tree? Huh? I work. <laughs> you got to do stuff. I work. <laughs> All right. What? Speaking. There's no shortcuts. <laughs> Come on. This is not. This is not bode well for what we're trying to do here. I'm trying to do SEO and and trying to increase the odds and how many people are going to watch things. Obviously, you help by joining us here on this podcast initiative. So we appreciate that. Um, speaking, speaking of the sports book, I know this week, as of this recording, uh, the mobile sports wagering bill is continuing to go through the NCGA. Uh, where are you on like what's going on? Any sort of you know opinions as to how these things have played out? Do you just want it to happen? And then we can go from there. Where are you on this right now? Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of people are working hard on this and I appreciate everybody what they're doing. Like, I, I look at the sports gambling as entertainment, right? It's it's fun. Um, I, I And I think that's why, you know, you guys have jobs. That's what we're all looking to do, right? You work hard so you can then go enjoy your life and do yeah. things. So I, I'm hopeful that, that this all works, but I'm just waiting like everybody else. I mean, we have, there's some people that are working on it and I've talked to a few folks and, um, it looks promising the way I understand it. Um, but you know, when it's done, there's a lot of work to do and we want to do something pretty neat at the arena and, and have a big sports book and make it fun. And, but we can't do it until we know. I was going to say, what is the turnaround for you? If it is passed in this session and they say January 1st, would you be in position by the next hockey season to have something at the arena? Or is that something that needs to be worked on and, and presented for the, the following year? Yeah, the whenever they whenever you can take your first bet, usually I assume what would happen is it would happen in a more temporary facility kind of way. And then the big thing that we have in our mind as part of the overall entertainment district um, that that takes planning. And, you know, you're probably a couple years out from that. And it, it goes hand in hand with with renovating the arena and Mm -hmm. developing the area you wouldn't want you know you don't want orphans right you don't want something that's there that doesn't have other other commerce right there has to be more than just one thing out there it wouldn't do very well does that feel like do you have a timetable in your head for some of those renovations i know we've seen plans and we've argued over parking spots and parking decks and some other things but is that now that you have a, a week of your off season, have you already been blueprints and everything else that's, that's already done? Yeah. I mean, we've, we've, we're waiting to find out if it's all going to get approved. Like there's a lot of constituents here and I think we're ready with a basic, a pretty, a pretty thoughtful start. And then it just becomes, it becomes what is, what's approved, right? What are we mm-hmm. able to do? And and um, I think it's it's really fun. It's interesting. It's it would I think it'll be more than anyone can imagine. It's just it's a yes or no now. Right. Like yeah. and that's not my the no, they're not giving me the vote. 
that's the Centennial Authority when you say approval, or is it something beyond that? Well, you know, we have to work with NC State. Obviously, there are partners in all this, and then you have the Centennial Authority, the city, the county, the state part. I think there's there's more there's more um, okay. there's more complexities here than I probably understand, but it feels like there's a lot of work being done towards that end, and it. I think before the season starts, we'll know. E- easier decisions for you, Tom. What do you do with your roster this offseason? And, you know, you, you got Jordan Stahl, obviously, on the top of that list. I would imagine your captain. What what do you do with him? And then in goal, uh, you guys actually made a pretty smart move with Kachekov to get him under the contract that he's under. Uh, but do you feel comfortable, you know, turning this thing over to him? And those are just, you know, two of the two of the big ones that come off the top of my head right now. Yeah, I mean, Jordan's, I don't, there's, Jordan's one of a group of players that it's our hope that only plays here. And so, yeah, he's a pretty big priority. And I, I can't imagine a scenario where we don't get that done. Um, I look, we have a really good team. And I think right now we're planning on trying to bring everybody back and extend everybody for the most part. Um, People that have one year left that we're able to extend. And so that's what Don's working on, but. You know, we're we're really happy with everyone. Um, and so if they want to come back and we can fit it, you know, we're, for us, it's we're going to spend to the cap. We've actually spent over the cap with LTIR every year. And it's just making sure that we don't have to end our ability to make the playoffs with high degree of probability, plus have a chance to win. Um by making decisions that someday we're going to have to pay for. So as long as we can, as long as we can come up with a fair compromise with everybody, I think we're going to get, I hope it's going to look a lot the same. When you say extend and forgive my ignorance here, you have obviously a couple of guys, Pesci, Aho with a year left that I would think would be building blocks here. Do you have to compartmentalize each of those years? The way that I look at the salary cap on, you know, sport track over here, or are you looking at it when you say extend? Or are you talking about some of those bigger pieces with Pesci and Aho? Yeah, so so Aho, Pesci, Shea um, have a year left, and we can we can extend their con- Chatfield. We could extend all, Jarvis. We can extend all those contracts now. And then you have Fostall. Um, we don't love the idea of people going into the last year. I think Tara Vinan's got one year left, so. Um, if we can get things done a year early, what we've tried to do, and it hasn't worked that often, but what we've tried to do is look at that last year and say, what is the risk for the player? What's the risk for the team? And if we know we, when you have a player and you know you like them and you know they fit and you know they work hard, to me, that's better than going out to the market. When you're trading for a player, somebody else has decided to give that player up. If you're signing a player, someone's decided not to sign them. And there's some amount of risk with that. And sometimes it works wonderful uh, and you're really fortunate with a guy you trade for. And then sometimes you find out that they knew more than you. And, you know, that that risk isn't one I love taking if if you're happy with what you've got. So for us, it's really just getting the finding the right term and money to make it work for everybody at the risk of bringing up old um, contentions. Uh, does the negotiation with Aho last time have any effect on the negotiation with Aho this time? Not at all. I mean, I look, I I was happy for him. You know, like if you if you know the kid and you know these people, 
if you if you separate the hurricanes and what is best for the hurricanes and then you look at an individual who it worked out for i think excuse me i think um i think i never once was mad at sebastian i never i was so appreciative that we got it done and that he was here and he's been unbelievable right like so yeah it doesn't have it's it's irrelevant um you know maybe he'll look at it and realize hopefully we were fair and didn't and hopefully he sees the way we treated him and knows he wants to be here and maybe that comes into account when when we're going through this but i i don't think he owes us anything because look how he's played right look at mm-hmm. the person he is and the leader he is so i i you know it's a new deal now and he's going to be here he ain't playing anywhere else right like that's the goal all right yeah so we've marked we've just marked the recording yes. <laughs> we, we've marked the recording we'll uh we'll, we'll keep that we'll keep that on file tom dunn and owner of the carolina hurricanes we'll close on this um when's the next outdoor game scheduled we have that on the books yet have you have you hit up batman for the next one yeah i think what's gonna happen is is if we get the renovations and all that done and that's a pretty big commitment from the city and the state and the county yeah that as part of that long-term lease we'd like to have some things agreed to from the from the nhl but that's you know i think we have to go first on our side here's what the new vision is and then we i bet we have a better chance of getting some of those dates locked in um than we would if we just go now and say i mean imagine imagine how the other teams would feel if a year later you already you had one so i think we need a little bit of cooling off time but yeah we're not going for drafts and all-star games we're gonna focus. i think we talked about this last time we're gonna just focus on outdoor game i think outdoor game fits our market and what we want so no no all-star game not i mean the draft i get but not no interest in the all-star game because that was a pretty fun event when it was here yeah no i I like i think having that stadium right there and i don't know just Mm -hmm. i'd rather do something focus on something do it really well and know it's going to be great than i don't know the all-star game um it's not really my it's not really something that's fair. That's fair. And now that you've done it, you know, what needs to be fixed, which you know, obviously we, we we've discussed that uh, post outdoor game and with the renovations, that'll all be part of fixing a lot of those things. Tom, we It'll appreciate it. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Well, Put my guy, Joey Doster <laughs> in charge of the parking, will you <laughs> look, a big part of it, you know, I think you're going to find traffic and parking gets way better if we can pull this off way better. Cause it, it's like, I'm, I'm just obsessive about certain things. And that's the thing of all this stuff. That's the thing that I want fixed. Cause you know, my whole background was always, you know, when people want to pay, give you money, like when I see lines or people coming to spend their money and they've, and we're making it hard, I find that incredibly insane and stupid. And so we're going to make it easier as easy as it can be. It's hard to get mm-hmm. 6,000 cars somewhere, but it's, it should be easier than it is right now. I don't think you're getting any any disagreement from us uh, on that one, especially given 20 some odd years of trying to get in and out of that parking lot for a variety of events. And Tom, we appreciate it as always. Uh, I'm sure we'll catch up this offseason and getting into next season again. Appreciate the time. All right. Good luck, guys. Thank you. Again, big thanks to Tom Dundon for spending some time with us yesterday. Uh, we recorded that after Tuesday's show. A lot, there was a lot to chew on, man, uh, with that conversation with Tom Dundon. 
Uh, the biggest one being that, yeah, he, I think he went full on like probability, money ball, <laughs> you know, like he was all in on that, which I find interesting. And I don't necessarily disagree with him. I'll be curious to see how they make it work, though, as they're a salary cap team and how they fit all these things with what they say they want to do. It's fairly obvious, too, that that's his mantra. Like that's his life thought process. Yes. That's not just something he's picked up in hockey. When, when he said, oh, I don't, I don't have stocks, I'm like, what? <laughs> when he's like, I don't gamble, I get it. Yeah, and I, get I was like, part. no, you actually you do if you have stocks. He's like, no, I don't even have stocks. And I'm like, excuse me? Oh, okay. Okay, and sure. Because he's saying if he doesn't have the odds in his favor, if he doesn't have the knowledge, then he doesn't want to do it. So to hear him kind of process the loss, right? Mm -hmm. If they played the game a thousand times mm -hmm. and here's what the outcome would be, that's kind of how you have to help yourself sleep at night in those situations. Not, I'm not saying Florida wasn't a better team. I'm just saying when you look at those four games, you go, well, what, as he said, what could we do different? Like, what yeah. are we chasing here? Yeah. And a part of that has to be, you know, truly looking at it and going, if we did this a thousand times, I bet you we win 850 of them. And then at, at the end of the day, that's what helps you sleep. And you, if you have a code, a man's got to live by a code. By a code. You know, you, you, you've heard me say that before. But I also, this gets back to Rod Brindamore and why him, why Tom Dunnan and Rod Brindamore get along so well, why they work so well. It's about the process. Yeah. And you have to worry and honor about the process and not worry about the result. He's not a Han Solo guy. Never tell me the odds. Yes. He wants to know the odds. He wants he all wants, of the odds. He wants all of them. What are the odds of finding a really cold beer at a breeze through? A hundred percent. hundred percent. One hundred percent. The odds are in my favor <laughs> to find a cold beer. In a beer cave. You'll, you'll make the Kessel run at, at 12 parsecs <laughs> at the Breeze Through for sure. <laughs> Shout out to Breeze Through for sponsoring Ovius and Gilio. Uh, locations throughout the Triangle. They go beyond beer. Joe's big on the coffee. Uh, and you can also uh, pick up snacks and sandwiches. I actually had a, uh, I had a, like a turkey bacon wrap from the Breeze Through there by PNC Arena. That hit. I was a big fan of that. Wayne got bugles. Oh. Right? Yeah. They got they had a great assortment of snacks and little nuts, little hot nuts sometimes yeah. to hit you in the right spot, especially after a beer, before a beer, during a beer, mm -hmm. all those good things. So, yeah, check them out. 1200 Edwards Mill Road, Breeze Through Markets, all your drinks, tailgate, travel needs, headed to the beach. Stop by, get your stuff, fill up your cooler. You will not be disappointed. Get some gas while you're there, too. Also, shout out to Hometown Realty. Check them out at myhtr.com. Again, that's myhtr.com. Dot com. Uh, we know this area is crazy, continues to be crazy. Uh, one of the things about the triangle is that it seems to kind of act on its own. It doesn't necessarily follow nationwide trends as people want to keep moving to this area. And the home market can be pretty competitive. So you need somebody that's going to help you out. And that's where Hometown Realty comes yeah. in, not just residential. I was going to say, you think you need help. Barry Woodward's got you. MyHTR.com. Residential, commercial, rental. They're in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Selma, and Atlantic Beach. They got more than 250 agents 250 uh so you, you're looking for the best possible home buying and selling experience check out my hometown realty again that's my htr.com and whitaker and hamer sponsoring ovias and julia as well check them out online at wh.lawyer again that's wh.lawyer attorneys and counselors at law uh it's can I call it a one-stop shop? You, you got can, legal needs? They you, got it. You can, because if you're starting a business, you're selling a business, you have family law, divorce, custody issues, real estate closings, buying a house. Hey, buy a house with my HTR. <laughs> and then Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer can close the deal for you. 
They're in Raleigh, Clayton, Fuquay, Moorhead City, Goldsboro, and then all of the G's, of course, Gastonia, Goldsboro, and the real G, Garner, Josh Whitaker, Joe Hamer, 919-772-7000. Or again, check them out at the very convenient WH dot lawyer i didn't even know that was a thing joe yeah i talked to uh, with kelly i'm like did you know there was a dot lawyer she's like oh yeah that's been a thing i'm like well sh- should we do like a dot radio dot podcast <laughs> dot live podcast. dot live podcast next topic joining us now on the heaster automotive group hotline it's brian crusoe he's the tournament director of the unc health championship we're in raleigh we're in downtown not that wakefield's not raleigh brian we're in, we're, we're close like, to downtown we're here we're right in the heart of it. This is it. Uh, you guys had a, had a vision and, and an idea of where to bring this tournament. Just give me a little bit of how what into, what went into that decision. And now that it's a reality that this place looks, uh, Donald Ross would be uh, shedding, a, shedding a tear today, I think. Yep. Everybody knows Donald Ross. Uh, this is a his, historic golf course uh, built in 1948. Uh, close to downtown, as we mentioned. I mean, back then, it probably was out in the uh, suburbs <laughs> the of, of the city. <laughs> but now it's right in the middle of downtown. And uh, McConnell Golf uh, owns Wakefield, where we used to play the tournament, and also here. So, you know, when we were talking about the future of the tournament, uh, we wanted to elevate it, make it more convenient for people. Uh, Wakefield's a great golf course, and we had a lot of great years there. But this property here allows a different type of feel for spectators and sponsors. It's going to be a new, different test for the pros. Uh, and it's con- convenient for people um, that live south of the city, uh, downtown, North Hills, to come out and uh, easily Uber here or, uh, you know, drive and check out the tournament. A test for the pros. All right. So I was lucky enough, thanks to our friend Alan Wolf, to play this course not that long ago. And, and I'm a 12 handicap, let's say. And it was a test for me. I-, I am concerned, though, that this is not going to be that big of a test for these guys. Well, how many yards are we talking about here? Because I-, I feel like length. The course is, is 7,400 right? yards, okay. but you know, length nowadays isn't the thing that really gives relative. the pros trouble. Yeah. So this isn't the type of course they play all the time. So A, it's a new course for them. They have to learn it. Uh, they're going to vomit around here as they do everywhere, but these greens are tough. Um, they're subtleties. The greens are going to be fast. You have to play your way around here a little bit. So everybody's kind of curious to see how that goes. The guys are so good. They're going to make birdies. They're going to play well. Um, but I think it's going to be a different test for him. And, you know, we've had some rain, so it is playing a little softer. Uh, so that might help, you know, some some lower scoring. But we'll see. I, I don't think they're going to uh, they're going to have some issues out here okay. with some certain pins. A couple of logistical questions for you for people who know RCC. The first hole is going to be a par four for these guys. Correct. Okay. Par four. What's the distance on it? That hole plays around 500 yards, but it, it goes downhill. Right. And, you know, you there's a little water there. Yeah, there's they, a lake down there. So if they, the wanna, if they want to try to press it down there, they can. But, you know, if they want to hit a hybrid or, or something off the tee, they maybe have a six or seven iron in the green. And, you know, we thought that that's a par four for these guys. Yeah. And uh, we'll be a tough one. Different, different world for them. And then six, you know, we're out here. A friend of mine, Chung Yi, member out here. And we were betting on where they're going to put the tee box on six. <laughs> So you're saying it's a par three, but it's going to be two. It's going to max out at 275, 270, 275, somewhere around there. Uh, you know, they, they may not play that tee box all four days, but they will definitely use it a, a few days or maybe even three days. That's ridiculous. That's yeah. absolutely They'll be hitting hybrids or three. Ridiculous. Woods, but yeah. <laughs> We're sitting here on 18. You have a beautiful pavilion set up here. This is a nice setup. I, I couldn't envision this. I'm not smart enough to envision this. Did you guys give any thought at all to flipping? Teeing off on 10 and finishing on nine because nine 
gosh, the, the scoring on nine could be uh, pretty outstanding during the week. It's a short par far if you're not familiar with the course. Sure. You know, we did that at Wakefield. We flipped the nine. Yeah. And it was more for a, a spectator, um, you know, getting around reason. But here, you know, to me, uh, Donald Ross is somebody that I think knew how to route a golf course and uh, knew, knew where the <laughs> he finishing. He knew more than us. <laughs> he knew, you know, he talked about being smart and things. I think he was pretty smart with laying out golf courses. So we didn't want to mess with that. And nine is an exciting hole. It's maybe drivable, um, but it comes right right to the back of the clubhouse. And uh, there'll, there'll be some excitement there for our fans that want to watch that. But 18 here is a 500-yard par four finishing hole. Uh, it's going to be a, a test uh, at the finish. The 17th hole, another reason, is an exciting par three where we have a Tito's Stillhouse. We have a, um, a Hickory Club tent as well, leaderboards, bleachers, all these things. And it's right at the main entrance. So people will be walking onto the property right into the back nine, right into the action. So, you know, it was something we thought about, but not not very much. I was just about to ask you about 17 because that seems like it would be a nice hub for fans and a place to gather and maybe see a co- Again, this course is laid out where you can see a lot. You, you know, this, this is a great the entire property. Yeah. You'll walk right down. 17 is going to be our mini version of the waste management 16. Okay. So there's going to be a lot of action there. Uh, short part three. We maybe we'll see a hole in one or two possibly. So there's going to be a ton of excitement there. And you got my friends from Empire Eats out there as well. Yeah. Great new partnership with Empire Eats. They're going to do all our concessions and hospitality food. They're going to be featuring, uh, you know, their menu items from some of their favorite restaurants, the Raleigh Times, Sithy, uh, the Pit, and Gravy. So people will be able to enjoy. We have a specialty sandwich that they're doing just for the tournament. So come out and watch some golf, great food, action everywhere. I'm very proud of myself. I didn't call it the Rex. I called it the UNC Health Championship. Has it been an adjustment for you? Because maybe maybe people see the name and go, oh, this might be a new tournament. No, this is this has been a staple in the Raleigh golf community for, for years. Yeah, that's right. We, uh, Rex hospital was the title sponsor of the Rex hospital open since 2005. Okay. So 18 years and uh, a long history there, but, um, now UNC health is a title sponsor. Uh, we're, we're starting a new chapter, but still have that tradition of 18 years at Wakefield. So the mission is still the same, you know, it's an exciting event, whether you like golf or not, you know, we're involved in the community here and we just want to put on a, a first class event for the city to enjoy and get behind. And Friday is Kane's day. Friday is Kane's day. Season ticket holders will get in free. They just bring their little uh, little code, and uh, we'll let let them in for free to enjoy the tournament. Wear your black and and uh, red and silver, and uh, come have some fun. We'll have some cutouts of uh, some of the players to take pictures with, and the Canes will have their setup and things to do. So I'll let you go on this. And Brian Caruso joining us from UNC Health Championship Tournament Director. We're here at the Raleigh Country Club. Is this a one-year trial, or do you think this is – because you, obviously you've had success at Wakefield. They're both McConnell properties. Uh, is this a one-year trial, or do you feel like this could really be something that you guys could do on an annual basis? No, we, we see this as our new home, and I think uh, we have a three-year agreement here for the tournament. And I think once people come out and see this property, once our sponsors come out, now that the, the pros will have a chance to uh, compete here, uh, I think it's going to be really clear that this is going to be a very exciting place for people to come hang out, enjoy a tournament, We've got a lot of new community partners here that we're supporting. So we see this as the future of the tournament and something we're going to build and make something uh, really special here. I, let me, I lied to you. They're going to let you leave on this. We just saw PGA Championship played on a Ross course, single digits, right? Uh, I'm going to set the total of the winner's total at 21 and a half. What you got, over or under? Okay. Well, it's obviously something we've been talking about. <laughs> and uh with the softer conditions, I'm going to go a little lower. But, you know, they, they shot 13 or 14 at Holston Hills last week, which is okay. a Donald Ross. Okay. But it was really firm. I'm going to go, I'm going to go under that. Okay. So, 
you know, I think you're going to see some Defending low scores Donald's Thursday pride. and Friday. <laughs> so that, that total may jump up there, you know, Thursday and Friday. But then I think when they start tucking some pins and the weather looks good for the weekend. So I think uh, things will start drying out. And I think we're going under that number. All right. Perfect. Not lower, but less. Okay. Less under par. Perfect. Brian Christo, appreciate you, man. Best of luck this week at the UNC Health Championship. Thank you so much. What's up next? What's up next? Look at that. The sun has truly come out here at Raleigh Country Club, which means it's going to rain this weekend because that's just the pattern that we're in right now. It's, it rains the weekend, the entire weekend, starting Friday night all the way through Sunday. And then you have a gorgeous day like today. Perfect to check out. Uh, the Pro-Am, and hopefully I think the weekend, or at least Thursday and Friday, things should play out just fine here at Raleigh Country Club. I think we have a certain overlap with our Canes fans. If you're a Canes season ticket owner, you're out here for free mm-hmm. on Friday. Come check them out. And this this event, you will enjoy the Empire Eats, the food from the pit, city, rally times, you name it, they have it out here to this weekend. It's going to be a great event right here in downtown Raleigh. I'm excited that they moved it here. You know what I haven't experienced yet? Mosquitoes. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what their mosquito plan is here at Raleigh Country Club. Man, maybe they use Mosquito Authority. I have no idea. I know that's what I use. I know with all the moisture uh, that's happened uh, the entire month of May. It's funny. It's like it's been cool and it's been nice and I've been wanting to hang out. But I know that hell's coming with for us. Those, those, those North Carolina summers and the mosquitoes will be out in full force. So you can keep that at bay best you can with Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority. Yeah. Check them out at BugsBite.com. They're also on Twitter. That's no mosquito NC old-fashioned 919-807-1951 if you want to give him a call not just bugs joe mm-hmm. i got mice i've got termites you have all the things i got moisture <laughs> under my house you name it i got it and you name it and hayes lancaster and his great people at mosquito authority and pest authority can handle any of your issues with your home you know it's funny as we're doing a show outside remotely and i'm learning about mics and everything else i'm like oh i can hear that trailer starting up and, and all the ambient noise. I feel like it's NPR right now where he's like, Ovius oh, I see and there's G- the birds. It's Ovius and Julio are at a golf course today. And you NPR can hear, ASMR. And you can hear the birds in the background and you can yeah. hear the trailers picking up and getting going and things like that. Anyway, uh, you know, we're in startup mode. Maybe you find yourself in startup mode and maybe the triangle is not necessarily working out for you or maybe you just want to change the scenery, um, but you don't know where to go uh, for a good startup networking opportunity. That's where Network for Entrepreneurs in Wilmington comes in, into play. Check them out online, newilm.com. Uh, you might not know this about Wilmington. It goes beyond just the beaches. It goes beyond the breweries and cool places to hang out. It's a really cool hotspot for entrepreneurs and startups. And there's been a lot of successful exit stories, Joe. And you can check it out at newilm.com. Yeah, you can find Jim R. Roberts on LinkedIn and Facebook. New, where the river of innovation meets an ocean of possibilities all right you want to answer some hey joe questions always we're moving on oh wait anthony's actually open today yep that's a wednesday oh okay i always forget about that i always forget about that all right so i'm a little out of my like little comfort zone here so pardon my if you're watching on youtube although maybe we actually we we start with uh with that with our friend austin uh who oh you, you got a cough we got a cough button uh, it's so far away from me. You're oh, in charge. You get, oh, okay. I'm in charge of that. Okay, <laughs> next thing you know, just tell me. Uh, no big deal. All right. This is from our friend Austin. Really enjoyed the end of yesterday's show. Big every large conference call I've ever done. <laughs> Energy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you learn real quick 
uh, what happens when you try to run on battery while recording, huh? Okay. <laughs> Listen, I'm so jealous of your computer that you got that. a new computer. I got a new computer. Yeah. All right. I have to. I don't have computer MV normally because I don't I don't do a lot of things. Sure, right? sure. But truly, this MacBook Air, and they're never going to be a sponsor, so they can. I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to yeah, tell Apple them. Apple does not need. I'm to just going to tell them to f off right now because <laughs> these two BS USB C ports right there. That's yes. all you get on yeah, this on get. this computer that hey, I spent way too much money on. By this the way, Mac, this MacBook probably has three. Yeah, but you also have a power source that doesn't include. Ah, see, that was a yeah. So that's so I had an I had a 16 MacBook Pro. I'll just say it. This thing is tits on a bull, man. Like, <laughs> and and I find myself with all of these uh, attachments and all this other stuff, and I'm like, the basic problem still remains the same. I've only got two inputs, right? So right. here I am. I, I'm trying to get the camera at the house, right? Yeah. Uh, the mic at home is is outstanding, and as you told me, the mic is more important than anything else. It is it right, is, so it sound is. is more important than anything else. Well, where does that leave me in my perpetually non charged computer? <laughs> and you know, my phone's never charged, my computer's never charged. So I text you, and I'm like, I'm at four percent, man. <laughs> it's just gonna go dark. And I, the most frustrating part was. I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm like, I'm seeing you and I'm kind of hearing you. Uh -huh. And you were like, I, I can't hear you. I think we lost Joe. And I'm like, no, I'm like, yeah, we did. Yeah, it's, probably, it's fine. It was the end did. of the show. That's how you bow out. Yeah. Gracefully. Look, I mean, it's been has a bit. Yeah. It hasn't even been a month since we uh, started doing this because I, uh, what is time? Well, I have no idea. Uh, it's been both the quickest and longest month ever at the same time. But <laughs> yes, when all this happened, I was like, holy crap, we got to upgrade some stuff. If we're going to make this work. So, yes, I did, you know, MacBook Pro, Roadcaster, cameras, all that stuff. If you, if future me, present me, went back in time and told old me. Oh, you would never buddy, get hooked on the Apple. You would. Well, no, 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 no. They're like, buddy, you won't believe what you can do with broadcast tech in 2023. Oh, oh. And if, <laughs> you, if you think the gadgets you have now are cool, just wait in terms of what you can do in the future. Because, uh, again, we're not that far removed from, you know, shout out to David Modlin, my old colleague over at Capital Broadcasting. That man had the pack stuff oh. and like just buck, like, like tubs of stuff. And I remember having conversations with him years ago saying, there's got to be a better way to do this. He's like, nope, this is the slimmest profile not, we have. Not if you want it done right. No, well, exactly. Which he <laughs> always, which, which Modlin always did right. Modlin's the best. Uh, so fast forward to today where I can literally shove most of this in a backpack and it's, a, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I think JP would say it's amazing and he would pay money to hear us watching golfers play through like what, like a mystery science theater. No, thing? they, so what the, this playthrough is you go up to the tee box and you harass the people while they're trying to hit. Oh, you can do that. It's a thing on TikToks and the social media. Oh, what yeah. are we like? I can go up there and be like mashed potatoes. No, no, no. It's, it's more creative than that. Like the pink, well, you can't make fun of pink, but, You'd make fun of whatever they're wearing or their legs or their, their, you know, oh, is that a senior shaft? Uh, like those kind of things. I you get a, the hat. Like, what is your hat and stuff like that? I feel oh, like you need a hat. I feel like, what this, do you need a hat for? Like, you know, I need a hat. You're trying to, yeah, like, exactly. I, I, I you got nothing on it. Like, so no. you start, you know, you got to be a little bit <laughs> burn. improv on your toes a little bit, but it is very good. <laughs> I feel like that's something we could do next year. A little more planning. Uh, we can, I can set up shop next year. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I could, we can set up shop, but who knows where technology will be by exactly. that point? Who knows? All right, let's go to. Uh, we already mentioned Brad at one point today. 
And he says, hey, ask Julio why he did not even finish the round at Raleigh Country Club. Well, the last time I was here was because we had a very important call with the Heaster Automotive Group. <laughs> so and then I lost my I left my club back on right. the 16th hole. Right. So now I'm in a full on panic because yeah. I, I cannot afford to replace my golf clubs, which I, I redid everything during the pandemic. Right. Mm -hmm. So I absolutely cannot afford to do that. So now I can't find my clubs. We're trying to close a deal with the Heaster Automotive Group. I'm wandering around the Raleigh Country Club. <laughs> and my my whole sense of time was off that day, too, because I thought we had teed off at 830. Mm -hmm. And we actually teed off at 930. So my math was way off that day. Gotcha. But not with my score. Like, I don't know what his problem is, because I, I shot a 42 on the front. That's as good as I could play this course. That's okay. as good as I'll ever play this uh, course. That probably. Sounds, that sounds more good. than likely that other than good. missing a putt on nine that I'm blaming Brad for or Scott Wood for anyway. Fair enough. Fair enough. So we'll close on this from Chris. I've been trying to explain to you. I hate light blue. Our guy, Steve. Yeah. Big state fan for years. The ACC baseball quote unquote tournament <laughs> doesn't matter because it's not even set up to identify the best team. Now I hear Ovia is referred to it as a jamboree. And not a tournament for the same reasons, but I'm the one who's crazy. Steve really wants a title. That's I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, and they've changed that format so many different times that I think now it is just a naked play to try to get teams into the NCAA tournament, which of course it sometimes can have the opposite yes. effect. Although yes. I will say NC State beating Duke, I think, went a long way in getting them into the mm -hmm. NCAA tournament. Yeah, so I think it helps. Some years it helps, some years it hurts. Well, let's gonna wrap it up for today's edition of Ovi's and Julio. Um I think it's a successful remote broadcast today, Joe. I really like this mic. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay. I know you said this is not as good as the other one that you no, got. No, it me. is. It is not as good as the other one I'm planning on purchasing. But this is a mic that we will be using for things like this. Okay. So um, we'll, you know, we'll we'll take this to Charlotte for the ACC. You take a picture and, and you post it because I, I mean, you this this looks legit to me. I so. did. No, I set it up. Like I know. Look, y'all. I kind of know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> Legit. So. I'm just waiting for the air horn. Hit the air horn, will you? Uh, hold on a second. The reggae. Yeah, you can do that. But I just knew you had it. <laughs> yeah, these are all the presets. Then we just need the, the my juices flow. All. We could program that. We could right? program it. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's music beds. There's a rim shot. There's a sad trombone. Yeah, we're gonna need a my juices flow all the time. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff on this roadcaster, but I totally forgot about the. Uh... Show it off, man. <laughs> Show it off. <laughs> we'll see y'all tomorrow. Uh oh, <laughs> what? The ball was coming. <laughs> oh. No, for real. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow because we didn't get hit in the head with a golf ball. <laughs> <laughs>